0: hello and welcome to psycho science i'm kayla and that's hannah and this is a podcast about psychology and science and yeah we're gonna see what happens i love it that's that's literally it we each present something each week and should be interesting (laughs) are you ready this is an educational channel uh, should we start by introducing ourselves? Oh, okay, yeah.
1: Okay, so, hi, I'm Hannah. I have a bachelor's degree in psychology from the University of Florida. Should I say that? Um that's fine. And <laughs> I'm currently going to school for a specialist degree in school psychology, so that's a, that's a whole conversation of what that even is. School psychology. I,
0: I love the children. I sometimes love the children. I just don't like their parents. Hi, I'm <laughs> Kayla. Um, I have a bachelor's in biomedical sciences with a minor in chemistry and biophysics. And I am currently in a doctorate program for physical therapy. Um, yeah, I want to work in probably acute care. And... With amputees, maybe also. I don't know. It's year one. I'll figure it out. Kind of a hard flex. What's a hard flex?
1: <laughs> You're like, well, with
0: my two minors and my. <laughs> <laughs> they all go together. I really love chemistry. Um, it's fine. I, you guys will figure that out. We're gonna have a whole episode on quantum physics, and I'm very excited because that's one of my favorite topics on the planet you want to go first? Sure. I guess I'll go first. Um, so, anybody who knows me knows I love Greek mythology. Hannah, has no, they can't see you. You have to oh. make an audible uh, noise. Yes! I do know that. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, anyway, so have you heard of Jason the Argonauts? I feel like I have, actually. Yeah, so basically, um, Jason was peeved that his uncle stole his uh, dad's throne, and... He wants to reclaim it, basically. So King Pelia, I could be saying that wrong, the uncle, says that's cool, but he wanted the golden fleece, which is basically impossible to get. So Jason accepts the quest. They always call him quest in Greek mythology. You know, fun. Um, and so he sails with fellow sailors on the Argo, and the sailors are called the Argonauts. So, um, the Argonauts are actually animals, and we'll get into that. Well, not with the story. The animals are named after the mythological creatures. So it's like the original Arc? Sure. Ooh, controversy, first episode. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Um, Basically, so I first heard of these from Helen Scales. She's a writer who wrote Spirals in Time, and she came in did a guest lecture at, um, USF, when, which is where I went to undergrad, um, she is a marine biologist from England, I want to say England, somewhere in the United Kingdom, and so, I thought they were very interesting, and she has a very eloquent way of writing, her books are very good, if you're interested in that, so, arthropods, which are insects, is just basics. they're not arthropods they have the most species like within their Makes um, sense. phylum phylum I think of the phylum please don't quote me um and then the second is the mollusks which have 50 to 200 thousand species they're not really sure there's a prediction um so that encompasses your octopus octopi so actually side note octopi are several octopi like, multiple... Never mind. I'm not going to get into that. Um, so, Arthur... Or, er, mollusk consists of octopi, squid, and cuttlefish. Um, most of these have lost their shells within evolution. Um, and so this... They compare it similar to how we used to defend with shields, and now we, like, attack with, like, guns. Um, so, yeah. Another... Ooh. Um... Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, basically that's how um, most of the mollusks lost their shell, and now they're just they're just out there fighting, you know. Are you telling me this because they're all on this boat? No, the boat that was just backstory. Oh, okay. We're moving. Yeah, on. we're moving. Okay, on. the backstory that was how they got their name. What, these are? These are the oh. creatures. The Argo, argonauts, like as in the Greek mythological story, they were people. This is just where they got their name, because they found in open sea. Okay. So these are animals. I'm back. They're, I'm like, back. Picture a like little octopus. I'm pictured. Okay. So, these little creatures were named after the Argo, because they're in open sea. We're, see? We're getting to I'm it. I'm getting it. And people only saw the calcite shells, um, so they were just legends. Like, they didn't really know where they were. They were like, oh, these are the Argos. They're just, like, in the open sea. We don't really know what they are. Um, They were first depicted in Minoan ceramics from about 3,000 B.C.E.
1: Before Christ ever. Please
0: tell me what that means. Um, Oh, goodness. Before before current era, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I don't remember what the C stands for. Anyways. Yes, originally it was before Christ and after death, but now... Oh, wait, those are not... Terms anymore? I mean, yeah, no, not really. Not yes, but no, because not everything is like Christ based. Also, if you can hear that, that would be my cat jumping on the table. Hello, Anka. Um, where was I? Oh, so the um, Minoan ceramics from about 3000 BCE, and they were first described by Aristotle, saying that they stole the little shells and used them as boats. So, it was theorized that these were octopi who essentially stole shells from another creature and used them as boats to float around the sea. That's so cute. Makes sense, right? Um, So, this was like a direct quote of Aristotle. um, Little octopi sitting in their boats with two tentacles sticking out to use as sails. So, they're just chilling on their back, if you will, with like two little, two little tentacles out just to sail around, you know. So then in the book, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea by Jules Verne, he built on this. Um, And so within the story, they see a raft of Argonauts, like as in the creatures. And this is a direct quote from the book. Six of their eight tentacles were long, thin and floated on water. While the other two were rounded and spread to the wind like light sails. So, within the book, the characters thought the creatures could live without shells, but chose not to. Similar to how the captain of the submarine, um, he could live without a submarine, but chose not to. Um, so they asked why the submarine wasn't called the Argonaut. So, that's kind of, like, another place in history it was, if you will. Um... So, Gian Villapro, Power, um, in the early 1800s... Let's talk about... She was a boss, right? Early 1800s, woman doing science, like... I love that, her. Awesome. Anyways, she was, like, not credited often, but she's...
1: I was literally just about to say, imagine being a woman getting credited. Amazing.
0: She isn't... Like, you're not going to learn about her in your basic, like, evolutionary biology class or anything... But she is known as the pioneer of marine biology research. Um, so she used to take creatures into observation chambers. So she lived by the sea, and it would um, kind of, like, picture Mr. Crab's shack from Spongebob. Uh-huh. to the little chamber, she would trap these creatures and just observe them within her house. So she took the shells and stole them or broke them from the Argonauts to see, like, Can they live without them? Um, so she found out that the females made them and repaired them. So when she would take the shells off, the females would just make another one. Which is awesome. Um, so, like I mentioned earlier, mollusks evolution, or uh, through evolution, lost their (laughs) shells. So this is kind of wild. Crazy. So, um, so most mollusks have a mantle to make shells. Um... The ones that do still, you or still do have a shell, they have a what's called a mantle to make it, which is just a part of it. Um, where the argonauts, they have a modified two tentacles, which is why they were described as sitting in a boat with their two tentacles like floating out. Um, so now we ask, where are the males? Where are the males? Where are the men? Nobody's asking that. Um, but this is a. Great um, example of sexual dimorphism. This is so fun. Kids um, love sexual dimorphism. Mm, shells, all, so they found shell. The shells also stored sperm, but they're like, where did the sperm come from? Right? On the female shells. Yeah, on the female shells, it's sperm. So males are four percent the length and one six hundredth the weight of the females. Um, so the males are described as parasites for reproduction. I mean, yes. (laughs) So they throw a sack of sperm from under their left eye on a single tentacle, which acts as a modified penis, and sticks to the female, who then stores the sperm within her shell until she's ready for babies. Like, we love this. Amazing. Um... So the idea of this modified penis was first described in Aristotle's biological work. The hectocotylus was turned by Jean-Leopold Nicolas Frédéric Baron Cuvier, or George Cuvier. Excuse better me. Known. Um, he thought it was a parasite to begin with. He's like, what is this? Um, so George Cuvier, you're, he's more famously known as the founding father of paleontology and created the whole phylum system and actually classified the phylum Mollusca. To begin with. So, kind of cool. Um, so, you know how I said that the octopi and squid had evolved the shell away mm-hmm. and directly attacked now? hmm So did the Argonauts. But then they evolved their shell back again. T. kind of cool. So, in 2010, Australian scientists Finn and Norman discovered why the shell returned. Any theories?
1: We have over here. Um, maybe like an... Okay, uh, I I don't want to sound stupid. I'm imagining that a new predator came in that required them to need a shell. No. Okay, but doesn't that make sense? Yeah, no. Okay, it thank for you. for sure
0: makes sense. Yeah. So, buoyancy made them create their shell. So, they emptied the air from the shell, these scientists did, and each of them would... Each of the argonauts would float back to the surface and refill their shells for prime buoyancy, so they use them. So like, um, most fish have what's called like a swim gill, which they like kind of fill up with air, uh-huh. so they keep the right buoyancy. I think it's called a swim gill. It's been a while, um, but so that this was their mes- method of doing it. They would fill their shell with air, so it's like a flotation device in a way. Um, and then finally, just some more fun facts. They're carnivores these Argonauts and they gnaw on its victim with their beak. So beaks are like squids have them, octopuses Mm -hmm. have them, little calcite shells. Um, And inject them with a toxin. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So they're gonna bite them, gnaw on them, fill them up with a toxin, and then chew with their radula, which are like mollusk teeth, or dig it out with their beak to eat it. And those are the Argonauts. I think those are... they're such cool creatures. Thanks, Argonauts. Thanks
1: for existing. Thanks for evolving. Yeah. Thanks for doing what you Thanks did. Thanks for evolving and then evolving again.
0: Again. Amazing. just Continuous evolution. It's you crazy. know what? It's always time for a glow up. There's always room for that. Happy New Year, kids. <laughs> um, okay, that's all I have. For-
1: okay. For my very first podcast, I kind of, well, my very first podcast, yeah.
0: Yeah? But I feel like I don't know about your (laughs) podcasting (laughs) experience.
1: I feel like when we were, like, throwing ideas together for it, this was, like, the first thing I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to talk about the case of Tatiana Tarasov. (laughs)
0: Of the Tarasov. Law and tears off ruling. And, you know, no it's named what after. It no yeah. idea what that is. This is why it's fun, because I know nothing about psychology. I mean, I do. I know the very basics. Um, I had, like, two or three psych classes in undergrad. But uh, not to her intensity. You know what,
1: though, That's good, because I made it very basic, just because Perfect. I was like, I'm going to pretend. I'm a noob. Yes, I was like, I'm going to pretend. It's just, like, very... I am a psychology noob, if you will. Okay. So, let's say that you're you're going to go to therapy. Or you're going to go to counseling. Mm-hmm. You're going to go to something of the sort. Like, individualized services with a psychologist. And so you're going to walk in there. And the probably, most likely, it should be the very first thing that you're going to do is talk about informed consent and sign that. And so that's, like, all the stuff with, like billing and like what the services are and like when you're gonna come to therapy and like you know all those types of like very basic things and then with informed consent there's
0: confidentiality classic we love a HIPAA law (laughs) we love a FERPA we love a (laughs) FERPA HIPAA what you know whatever uh, okay FERPA
1: is the psychological HIPAA okay there you go perfect so um so with confidentiality it's very basically the fact that when you come in and we talk about stuff, I'm not going to tell that stuff to, to other people. Amazing. I know. <laughs> but then it's talking about the limits to confidentiality. Mm-hmm. So, the three limits that I wrote down, and these are the most important ones, I would say, are, number one, I have to tell someone or report it if you're going to hurt yourself or someone else. Two, if you tell me about abuse or neglect of a vulnerable person. And three, if it was court-ordered for... The court-ordered one is very... There is a lot about it. And I actually made a joke about this to a therapist, and I was like, ha-ha.
0: Oh, so cute. The cat's so cute. Sorry, we are looking at my cat. Continue.
1: Well, so, the court-ordered ones, I was talking to a therapist, and I was like, Teehee, like, what are you going to do if you're court-ordered? Like, are you just going to be like, hey, here's every file I have? And, like, a lot of therapists and psychologists will actually fight really hard to give them the least amount of information as possible. And almost everything is going to be redacted except for exactly what they asked for on the order, and they're probably going to try to not even give them that information. They're probably going to try to give them, like, a summary of that Mm. information. So, you know, whatever, though. Okay. So, the infamous case of Tatiana Tarasov. So, okay. She is at the University of California, Berkeley, and there's this other guy, a foreign exchange student. Well an international student an international student and his last name is Podar i didn't write the first name cuz i just i wasn't going to do that to myself so the guy Podar the girl, Tatiana Tarasov. And so, Padar is also going to the University of California, Berkeley, and he meets Tatiana Tarasov, and he is infatuated. He is really just feeling it. He's getting the, the good vibes.
0: It's like Fez and Jackie's story from that 70s show.
1: Essentially, and kind of in the same way. I've only watched a little bit of that 70s show, but uh, Tatiana wasn't feeling it. Mm-hmm. Tatiana... Basically broke the news to him and was like, hey, I'm not interested. I'm seeing other people. Like, we're not exclusive. This isn't what you think it is, like, Mm -hmm. in your head. Like, you've built this all up in your head, and, like, that's not what's going on. And so, Padard becomes, like, super depressed, and he's really struggling. And eventually, like, friends, and I think, like, his roommates are like, hey, you're not doing good, buddy. Maybe you should do something about that. Yeah. And so, he eventually tries to go to counseling at the University of California. So, he goes there, and he tells psychologist Dr. Lawrence Moore that he wants to kill Tatiana.
0: Giant yeah, plot twist?
1: Yeah, a little Not
0: himself, bit. Tatiana? Well, because
1: here's the aggressive thing about that rule, is that... It's like if you say, hey, I did this past tense, like, mm-hmm. hey, I killed this person past tense, I can't do anything about it now. But if you say, hey, I have the intent to do this in the future, that's when, like, the confidentiality is broken. And oh, it's man. like, okay, buddy. It makes sense. So, well, yeah. <laughs> so, Dr. Moore is like, oh, no. So she. Calls the university police and is like, "Hey, um, please detain this young fellow," because she thought he had acute and severe schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. So she's like, "This is actually a danger. Like, we actually need mm-hmm. to like deal with this." So he gets detained by the the university police. And is quickly released. Because they don't see anything wrong with him. They're like, yeah, whatever. But also, they're not psychologists. But... Yeah. Mm, that's
0: and I mean, other. also, like,
1: how long can you hold someone on the threat of them doing something? Because yeah. for the police, it's like, well, it didn't happen.
0: Like, we don't we're have we're a body. Do. Like you They know? don't do preventative work, if you will. Yeah.
1: So, then, Dr. Moore's supervisor, Harry Powellson. Requested that Padar not be detained any further. Mm. And that the situation kind of just needed to be laid to rest. But this entire time, Tatiana was spending time in South America. And she's out there chilling. She's vibing in South America. I love that. Um, so she's in South America. This time, at this time, Pudar, he's depressed. He's going to counseling. Whatever. Meets Tatiana's brother, befriends him, and eventually moves in with him. Oh. Yeah, so he's like... That, like, gives me cold chills, because it's like... He's making uh, moves. Like, he got close to the family. So, she comes back from South America, and shortly after she comes back from South America, Padar stabs and kills Tatiana.
0: Yikes.
1: Yeah. So, Padar was found guilty of second-degree murder, um, but his conviction was overturned because of issues with jury instruction. Yeah, so a second trial didn't take place, and Padar was released on the grounds that he would return to India
0: and wouldn't stay at the
1: University of California, and so Tatiana's family is rightfully pretty pissed. Um, because they think there's a lot more that could have been done to prevent yeah. this from happening. So their family sues Dr. Moore and several other people at the University of California. Jeez. I mean... Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at this time, it's like... I, don't, I, I feel like it's like people weren't really thinking about that, right. and they were like, well, psychiatrists try their best. But then it's also this idea of how far do you have to go? And, like, how much do you have to warn people? But yeah. Tatiana wasn't warned at all. She didn't know that he was thinking that stuff. That's and she told insane. the police. And so, as a psychologist, you're like, well, I told the police, but now it's in it's the true. police's hands. But, anyways, okay. Uh-huh. So, this goes up to the California Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And the Cal- California Supreme Court is also, like, on the family side. They're also like think this could be prevented so they found that a mental health professional has a duty not only to a patient but also to individuals who are specifically being threatened by a patient Mm -hmm. so that comes in and it's called the duty to warn or the duty to protect and so that's if your client says hey i'm going to hurt this person or you know whatever You not only have to, like, call and report it to the police, but you also have to try your best to find that person and warn them. But also, when you're warning them, you can't say, hey, Podar threatened to stab you. You have to say, hey, I somehow have this information that you, you... you are in danger like see it's still very so, weird yeah
0: so they can't be like hey stay away from this dude
1: yeah no because okay. then you're because then that's breaking your confidentiality yeah but then also like imagine getting a knock on your door
0: and also how are you supposed to track that person down and also here's the deal is like Padar was her brother's roommate yeah. So she's not going to be like, "Okay, yeah, my brother's roommate who I rejected, you know, a few months ago or a year ago or however long yeah. the timeline is." She's not going to be scared. Cuz that him. guy
1: doesn't even seem like a threat
0: properly no. at that point. No. No, it's like, "Oh, that's like my brother's best friend. We had that thing that one time where I'm like, haha, not a deal." Yeah. But weird. Yeah, and so even in the
1: laws though, with a lot of like psychology laws, they're all very vague. Mm -hmm. Um, I can give you another example so there's a law for like free and appropriate public education but a huge debate is like what is appropriate education like what does that mean Um, and like they don't want to define it because it's like it's meant to be ambiguous but then it's like that really is maybe I mean I guess the
0: ambiguity of even that case would be beneficial in the sense that historically, it could progress. Yeah. Because I feel like you're going to need to know more knowledge, the more... Like, we learn more in schools now than, you know, our grandparents did. In yeah. In the 50s, or whenever your grandparents... <laughs> grandparented, or kidded. It, it's fine. Um, it's like 2 in the morning. It's fine. Uh, but, yeah, I can... The... Back to Pudar. I... Why don't they have, like, a mandated uh, um, restraining order or something?
1: Yeah. That seems more... But then even at that point, it's like, would that have helped? Because if someone who has acute and severe schizophrenia... Yeah. And, I mean, not getting help anymore... It's true. So, a lot of states, though, took the duty to warn mm -hmm. and enacted it in their states, so 23 states have legislation about duty to warn, and then 10 states have a common law precedent of it, and then 11 states have permissive duty, which I'll talk about, and 6 states have no statutes or case law okay. about wow. it. Well, because it only happened in California, so yeah. a, a lot of times other states are like, I don't care what happened in California. Well, like don't to me. I don't know. So, talking about the difference between what a mandatory duty or a permissive duty is. Mm-hmm. So, in the states that have the laws and the, the case law, if you're a psychologist, someone tells you they're going to hurt someone else and they're like, you know, whatever. In a mandatory duty state, you're... You have to report it, and you have to um, try to warn the person as best you yeah. can. But in a permissive state, like Florida, oh, love her. you're allowed to,
0: but you don't have to so this warn is, the person. this is, like, like mandatory reporting for suicide, but in the case of somebody else dying, essentially. Yeah. Okay. So. God okay
1: the last thing I'll leave off on here is this question of how do we define dangerousness and how do we know if a client is violent and so those are two huge questions that come with these laws and because yeah. it's like it everything's so vague that you can say oh yeah if someone's dangerous or if someone's if they're violent but it's mm-hmm. like how do I know that? Like, what does that mean? And so I did look and kind of ask about if there were like official scales or questionnaires, because for a lot of a lot of behaviors, there's like this type of behavior scale, like yeah. an oppressive scale, like yeah. a, a whatever scale. But there's no like violence scale. So it's kind of like how are we as psychologists supposed to? N- like measure measure yeah so anyways that's i don't think it's a controversial ruling but that's the the hidden controversy inside of like what does this actually mean it yeah. sounds good but like what does that mean and also the very sad case of tatiana Tarasov where yeah. it feels like something
0: could have been done different yeah very preventable well, thanks for popping with me, Hannah. Thanks for talking with me, Kayla. Oh, my goodness. We will <laughs> see you guys next time. Not see you guys. We're literally never going to see you. This is a podcast. Well, we will talk to you later. Goodbye. Bye. This is Psycho Science.